everyone. Welcome back to the In The Round Podcast. You got Matt and Tyler what here up? hanging out today. And uh, we got a great guest, one of our favorite humans here in Nashville. A guy that we really got to know this year, but nevertheless, one of our favorite guys in this damn town. One of our kickball friends. One of our kickball buddies, a fellow Alabama native for you, Boudreaux. Roll Tide. Um, and uh, we love him, dude. But real quick, got to tell you all about our friends at Trailside CBD. Now, these guys, they've been blowing up um, Trailside. It's really taken off. They've got CBD products. They've got hemp products. They've got Delta 8 THC products. And uh, they've got a lot of things coming for you. They've got a rewards program in addition to the, the uh, deals and promotions that we've been running with them, Tyler, which is uh, very exciting. Uh, you guys are going to want to go check them out. Tyler, you can talk about those CBD products. Yeah, I've been using some of the uh, CBD gummies. Um, helped me sleep at night. Got insomnia and all. And never sleep. And it actually helps me go to sleep whenever I got to wake up in the morning. Been using some of the CBD oil to actually help whenever I don't have gummies. That helps a lot too. And I actually tried that uh, thing that you gave me, that syringe of CBD stuff that you gave me. That was, I put it in a barbecue sauce the other day. Hey, there we go. Yeah, we're going to be doing a cook off with that RSO oil. There's going to be a Delta 8 version coming out as well. And we're planning a big smoke out with some of our 420 friendly friends of uh, smoking. Boudreaux is going to be competing in it, as well as some of our other buddies that we've had here on the podcast, in addition to Andrew, the founder of. Trailside CBD. That's I actually saw that Andrew and I have the same smoker today. Yeah, he's an Oklahoma Joe's guy as same. well. But hey, so you guys, if you want to get involved, Trailside CBD, make sure you enter promo code ITR at checkout. 20% off your purchase. They got it all. Um, free shipping as well. Go hit them up. TrailsideCBD.com and uh, go get yourself some greenery legally. It's awesome. Now we get to our guest, uh, one of our favorite buddies, like I said. It's Mr. Trey Lewis. Trey, how the hell are you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. It's I'm awesome to, be here. to finally have you on a podcast. We've been talking about doing one of these for a while. And um, you're honest to God, one of the most interesting dudes that I've met because you're the life of the party. But like me, you're even more than me because I, I get my, my 420 on. You're sober. Like yeah. completely sober, and but you but you still find a way to be the life of the party. It doesn't take away from what you do on stage. You're out there gigging and grinding more than anyone I know in Nashville. Even with COVID going on, you found ways to do shows, and um, you, you got new music coming out. You got a whole lot going on, man. So let's back up. When did you move here to Nashville? I moved here in, in 2019. Okay, so you're still so pretty J- January. So you're still pretty fresh to being here. Well, maybe, no, 2018. 2018, okay. So I've been here two, almost two years. Okay, and you're from one of my favorite places to go in the great state of Alabama, Birmingham. Birmingham. Birmingham's awesome, dude. And uh, Tyler had always told me about it, like, that that was, like, his spot where he'd go down and get Whataburger and... Um... Yo, hold up. Hold the phone. <laughs> Sorry. I just got this news the other day. Did you know that right on the east side, on I-20, they're building a Bucky's? Yes. Amazing. Oh, so now we can go to Birmingham and get Bucky's and Whataburger. It's that's, just like we're in Texas again. That's a that's a big deal. So growing up in Birmingham, were you like in the city area? Were you more out in the country? What was I was more up? more in the city. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a town called Vestavia. When I was like young, my parents like my mom divorced like when I was like three. So like my mom met this guy. His name was Seth. He was like like a, another father to me. You know, for like fifteen years. But like. They bought a house in Vestavia, and we lived there. But, like, all my family's from, like, Springville, which is more, like, out in the country. 
That's where they stuff. got swamp monkeys and yeah, stuff, swamp, right? Swamp monkeys <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. So let's back up and you're the first sober guest that we've had. And it's something that I connect with you a yeah. lot. Obviously I've, I'm about four and a half years now for you. Um, if you're cool talking about it, of yeah. course, talk about being sober as a musician, kind of what, what that process was like. Cause it's what now, like 13 years for you. Yeah. Going on 14. Damn. June, June 11th, 2007. That's my hell, sobriety. Oh yeah, dude. Congratulations on that. Yeah, congrats it, on that. It's not easy to do that being in the industry that all three of us are in. Yeah, I mean, I find like it's like more awkward for other people than it is for me. Um, Because, I mean, I've been sober for a long time, you know, and it's like I don't ever like, I guess I don't put a lot of thought into it like on a regular basis more than like other people do. You know, like I feel like it's like when you're, when I'm out, people are like, oh, but you don't drink, you know, like I'm judging them or something. It's more like awkward for them than it like is for me. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, you're the guy when we when we play our writers rounds, which we we had you at at a round recently that uh, ended up going semi viral. We'll get into that in a little yeah. while. Um, but you're the guy that 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 supports the the pe- other people up there with you having a good time. Like if you want to drink, go ahead. But it's just not for me, kind of thing. What were kind of your steps with with getting sober? If you could take us back and kind of open up on that. So uh, I just. Um... I mean, I started drinking and all that stuff when I was really young, like 13. And uh, I went really hard at it for, like, I guess I got sober when I was 19. I was, like, in and out of jail and a couple of different, you know, like, psycho, like, uh, psych wards. And, like, I just, like, I'm going to get closer here. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I was just, like, in and out of just, like, just living the crazy lifestyle, you know, I was selling drugs and just doing it all. And then I eventually just reached that point to where, like, I was like, all right, I'm sick and tired of doing this. It's not fun anymore. Um, I hurt everybody that I loved that was, like, closest to me. And um, I just decided I was – called my mom up one day. I was like, I'm ready to go get some help. And then three months later, I finally went and got help. Because for me, it was always, like, I would make a decision, but, like, I would never take the action to do it. And I finally went to uh, this place called uh, Bradford Health Services, which is in Warrior, Alabama. It's a treatment center for drug and alcohol addiction. And I was there for two weeks. And um, when I was there, I had a couple of cool things happen to me. Um, Weren't cool at the time, but, like, when you're in treatment, like, you have to, like, sit in these groups. And And it's like... You know, there's two counselors on each side, and there's always, like, that one guy in the group that, like, tells the same story every day over and over, and (laughs) you're sitting there, and you're like, fuck, we've already heard this, Yeah, But, like, this one day, this guy, like, told this story about him and his dad, how they just kind of had, like, a messed up relationship, and I don't know what it was. I mean, me and my my dad were not very close during my drug addiction, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and for the first time in a long time, I, like, cried, not, like— not like the kind of cry where like you're like trying to get attention or like measle my way out of a situation. It was like an actual like gut felt like honest cry from the depth of my soul, like boogers and snot flying everywhere. And I just like was like something's got to change. And that was like my aha moment. And then um, I learned how to pray for the first time. Like I knew about growing up and like praying and stuff like that, but I never saw the necessity for a relationship for a relationship with a higher power until I was like absolutely beat down so i started doing that and then um 
my mom sent me this letter. I'd gotten some trouble with the law, and she was like, you can't come home until your you know, court date or your sentencing. So they told me about this halfway house in Bessemer, Alabama. So I, I went there. And uh, I was there for six months, and, you know, they made you go to the 12-step groups and get a sponsor and work the steps and all that stuff. And I just went through that whole process, and through all that, like, my life started to change. And, and um, that's, like, that's like the short of it, basically. Um, but when I was nine months sober, I went and made amends to my father. And um, he told me just to keep doing what I was doing. I mean, like, I'd stolen money from him. It was, you know, our relationship was screwed up. And uh, he asked me, he was like, if you want to, you can come, come, you know, you can come live with me. And I went and lived with him. And uh, during that process, I was working at a smoothie shop, making smoothies and sandwiches. That was my first, like, real job. And I had a car. And uh, I decided uh, with my whole paycheck, I called my grandfather. I was like, I think my paycheck was, like, probably, like, 350 bucks. It wasn't, I was making, like, minimum wage. Yeah. You know all about that. Oh, I've, yeah. I've heard you talk about that. We've, you know, we've, we've all been there. Like eight fifty an hour yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. Or I think it was seven fifty back then. But yeah. anyways, he was like, uh, I was like, I want to buy a guitar. My grandfather was like, well, if you put up half, I'll put up the other half. And I went to the guitar center up the street, and I bought, like, uh, Epiphone Hummingbird, that red guitar, you know? Oh, yeah, man. And, Those are great. Uh, and, uh. I'll never forget, I brought it home. My dad was like, that's great, Trey. Just another thing you waste your money on. Like, he was supportive of it. But, like, I always, like, did all these things. But, like I said before, like, I took, I would make all these decisions, but I would never take action, you know. And then, like, before you knew it, I was, like, playing chords. And, like, I think, like, one of the first songs that I played on guitar was, like, uh, Wonderwall by Oasis. And my dad just thought it was, like, so cool. He was like, man, he's really got something going on here, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's basically it. Like, how is it playing music sober? Like, well, I don't really know how it is to play music drunk. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of a blessing. Yeah. Like, that, and it's really, I mean, you talk about the higher power and, like, everything kind of happens for a reason. You getting cleaned up and kind of finding yourself, mending that relationship with your with your dad and building that relationship with the higher power. It's something I did too, yeah. you know. I, I I first got sober at, at nineteen and then I mean I've I fell off a couple times, but I've been I've been sober now since I was twenty one. And I mean to do not because the hardest thing I've that I've heard from folks in the music industry they've gotten sober is being on stage and not having the drink in your hand. You never had to really you never did, did never, the whole music yeah. thing with the boot, with the sauce with you, you know? Yeah, and it was it was it was a whole gradual thing. Like, um, it was um, there was times where it was weird. Like, I remember like a few years ago, I really started um, getting some opportunities, and I don't think I, I was really ready for those opportunities um, as far as like um, who I was as an artist and um, like being in those environments, like. Even I did a show with Muscadon at um, Zydeco, and they sold it out. It was, like, right around Christmas. You know, now every year it's at Iron City. But, like, I really wasn't ready for that, I don't think. Like, but, like, I opened for, like, a bunch of people. And um, it was just, like, this gradual, like, um, process. Like, I don't regret those things, but I'm, you know, I'm grateful for them. But, like, it took me a while of, like, going out. And I think really, like, once I got those opportunities and they were what they were, like that's when the rubber really hit the road. And like, I was like, I really love doing this and like, I want to do it for a living one day. So like, I just, 
I remember one day I was playing this um I was playing this thing called Birmingham Born at Tin Roof where it's like you know you play like an hour set you're from Birmingham you know and like it was at like 11 o'clock in the morning and I was like this sucks there's nobody here nobody gives a crap and as soon as I got done this guy walked up to me and he was like man I think you're awesome dude he was like I'd like to book you at all the Tin Roofs and then I started playing all the Tin Roofs and then you know I've had this I had a band for you know probably since 2014 and um you know, so we're like kind of cooking a little bit, and then all of a sudden we're playing all these tin roofs, and it's four hours straight, no breaks. So like, I feel like that doing that, it's really strenuous work. But like, I feel like doing all that like really prepared me on like how to entertain a crowd, how to like keep the energy up because you have to keep the energy up. You can't like, you know, fall off. You know how it is on Broadway. Oh you yeah, gotta man. Keep, yeah, you gotta it, keep it. And going. I mean that. I mean there, you talk about like. Those four-hour gigs. That's what a lot of folks yeah. do when they come to town. They get on Broadway, and it's it's tough to kind of break out of that circuit because that circuit pays so well. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and I know you still do some of those four-hour. You just don't go out and do those yeah. four-hour gigs, whether it's it's a Tin Roof or it's a Florabama yeah. or any of those places. Well, like I take a lot of pride in it now. Yeah. You know, when I when I first started it, I was like, this really sucks, you know, but like now that like we'll go out and do a four-day weekend. You know, just me, my my drummer Matt McElwain, and my my guitar player Terry Adams, and my bass player uh, Josh McAvoy or Mitch Goshi, depending on who we got that weekend. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll just go out and we'll just you know, we all load in the stuff together. We all load out the stuff together if, if we play a frat show or you know whatever, and uh, we all take turns driving. And it's just like we just do it and we don't complain about it because we're happy to be making a living doing you know playing music. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, you're you're paying those dues and you like, know like Sunday coming home is like, man, this sucks. You know? Yeah. But like you know, but like when you're like, you know, pounding each other like, man, last night when this or that happened, you know, like the camaraderie of all of it is just like yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to being on a sports team. You yeah. know, like when you're in yeah, high school exactly. and you're traveling exactly. from, from town to town playing football or something like that. Um, so for you, what inspired the move to Nashville? Because you're you're still going back to them. I know some of your your, your band guys are still down there in Bama, mm-hmm. and a lot of your your like a lot of the your your business is down in Alabama. What inspired the move to come up here? Well, so right, so to kind of give a backstory is I learned how to play guitar, and then um, in the twelve step groups, I started sponsoring people. And I sponsored this guy, uh, he was my first sponsee ever. And uh, he played guitar, like, he was really good at guitar. I'm going to mention his name. His name's Bryant, Stu- Bryant Stewart. And um, we just, he was around my age, and, you know, he got sober. I got sober when I was 19, and I think he was 19 at the time. I was, like, 20. And he played guitar, and he was in a rock and roll band called, uh, it was called, like, uh, Eli Thomas or something. And uh, he had a friend up here that had a studio over on, um, it was, like, uh, 16th and Edge Hill, like, right by... Um, Taco Mamacita, like yeah. right in front of that. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was like, dude, let's go up to Nashville. I'm, we're working on our album. And I was like, I went up there with him. And I had like some terrible songs that I'd written. They weren't terrible. They just weren't like the format or anything. And I played them for this this guy named Wes Shaw. And he was like, dude, I think you have a great voice. So like little by little, I started coming up here to Nashville and recording, you know, like and the recordings, you can hear, like, the rim shot on the drums, you know, just, like, sonically, just like a mess. But I just remember driving back 
to Birmingham and just listening to that song on repeat, like hearing myself coming out of the speakers was like the coolest thing ever. And then around the time I'd met this girl, but, and I went back, I dropped out of high school and I got my GD and I started working at Bradford, the place that, um, I went to treatment at. So like I had my kind of had, felt like I kind of had my life together. And then, uh, Wes called me up one day. He's like, man, I got tickets to this CMA uh, CMA award show. He was like, do you want to go? And I was like, heck yeah, I want to go. And so I left work on like a Wednesday night. I worked like second shift and I drove up and went to the award show. And then I had to be back at work on, on Friday. So it was like, what while I was up here, he was like, dude, if you'll just like move up here for like a month, then like we'll do an album. And he was like, I'll fund the whole thing. And, you know. So I went back home and I talked to my parents and everybody was with me. They were like, yeah, go do it. And uh, you all right over there? Yeah, I'm good, man. <laughs> These allergies, dude. Yeah. So I, I, I loaded down my truck and I came to Nashville and, and, you know, and I quit my job. It was like on Thanksgiving Day. I worked my last shift and then drove up to Nashville. And um, I ended up um, staying up here for about six months. And uh, we did a whole recording thing and i met this guy named aaron lee and i met this other guy named nolan neal and those guys that were like they both had pub deals and um they were just really nice to me you know and because sometimes nashville's not a warm place no, you know yeah it definitely has has its people that are that are comforting and then it's people that are very standoffish yeah but like aaron and and, and nolan they really didn't want anything from me they just like liked who i was as a person and like believed in me and like i feel like that kind of like instilled in me Cause like, I feel like I do that now to people that, you know, like the one thing my dad used to say all the time is like, you can easily judge a man's character by, you know, by like the person that can do nothing for him, you know, like how he treats that person. And like, that just kind of always stuck with me. Cause that's what those guys did to me. Um, but, uh, so we did all that and then I moved back home and I ended up getting married and, um, I worked it, went back to work at Bradford and one thing Aaron told me, Aaron Lee, he said um, his dad was like a massive hit songwriter. His dad wrote like uh, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue and like Crystal Gale, you know, like uh, he's got some Reba cuts too. And uh, he's a great songwriter. He's had a bunch of stuff like placed on TV and, and, and stuff like that. And I uh, actually cut a lot of his songs on that first record. And um, but uh, and we wrote a lot of songs together. And um but he told me, because I was, like, thinking about moving to Nashville then. And he was like, no, nah, dude, you don't need to move up here. You need to go home and, like, build your base there and and do all that. And I took his advice because, like, he was, a you know, I feel like he had my best interest at heart. And I, and I moved home and, and I just started playing, like, acoustic show at this place called Kelly's in Lakeview. It's across from Moe's Barbecue. I know y'all heard yeah. about Moe's oh, yeah. Barbecue. Oh, yeah. And it was small, dude. It was probably, like... 30 people could fit in the restaurant. I think it's a vape store now. And um, I played there every Friday and Saturday night for three years. Wow. Yeah, for three <laughs> years. And uh, then, I'm, then I ventured out. I got a gig at the Mexican restaurant in Hoover. And then they had, um, they had, they had like four different locations, so I started playing all those. And then I um, started putting a band together. But... Fast forward, like, I started getting all those opening shows. Like, I did the radio shows, you know, where the artists will come in and do, like, a 45-minute acoustic set. And um, I decided that uh, 
I went, you know, I, I just things started to pick up, and I was working at Bradford, and they were like, "Hey, uh, we either need you to be here when you, you know, you say you're going to be here," because I was like taking off work to like go do all this music stuff, and I finally got to the point to where I thought I could like actually make a living playing music, and I was like, "It's cool. I think I'm just going to quit." And right around the same time as like, um, I was married, um, uh, and my my ex wife started. Um, we were both sober. And she started drinking again, and, and it just things got really bad. And um, and I I've never like throughout my thirteen years of sobriety, I've never like I was talking to Alex Maxwell about this yesterday on the way back from the studio, and I was like, the thought to drink never crosses my mind like a good idea, like never is never like seems like a good idea to me. Um, it's just like that problem's been removed, but like. There's only been a few times where I really honestly thought about drinking, and that was it for me. You know, like when I was going through all that with my ex-wife, and I had to make a decision that was, you know, best for me, and and um, we got divorced, and um, I just continued on in Birmingham, and we were traveling all over the southeast, playing a lot of the tin roof shows, frat shows, you know, whatever. What's and, your, what's your favorite frat show? Oh man! If you could think of one, because it's I know, hard. Like I, I, I have, <laughs> I have a few different college campuses. I, I can't say which one's my top, but like my top three are Statesboro, 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 Georgia, <laughs> Statesboro, Statesboro, Georgia, um, Auburn, Alabama, and uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Hell yeah! Yeah, like I, I, I like I hate Mississippi as a state, but like. <laughs> Starkville is pretty lit. I, I feel like that's a common opinion amongst folks from yeah. Alabama. Yeah. But it's funny because Alabama folks tend to end up with Mississippi girls. Look at our boys on Muscadine. Yeah. Look at, look at, look at me. You. Yeah, look, look at, at me. You. Look at you, you know? hanging out with Ashley. Or they end up with Texas. You know, they go a little bit farther west, like in Boudreaux's case. You yeah, know? you know. We, <laughs> actually, we actually played a, a Corona um, sorority party uh, like two weeks ago in Starkville. Dude, it was so weird. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, so they had to bring like the, they had to bring them in in waves. So we played for like four hours straight, but like the first wave was like the freshmen and it was like all awkward and weird. Like they didn't know how to act. And then the second wave was like, you know, the next class and that was pretty lit. And then the third party that came in, there wasn't a lot of them. So it was like super weird. And then the seniors came in, and it was just like we actually even played for an extra thirty minutes just because it was so lit, you know. Like I think I put I think I put something up on my um, on my Instagram story, and and I think like Trey team was like, "What's coronavirus?" You know, question mark. <laughs> Lord, man, yeah. What's it What's it been like going out there playing shows in twenty twenty? Because there's not a lot of people that have been able to do it. Um, it's been weird, um, definitely for sure. Um, it's not the same. There's parts of it though that I do enjoy. Like we went to um we went to Columbia and then we went to Raleigh for three nights and we just went like acoustic three piece. We went me on guitar, Terry on electric, and then Matt on this like um on his drum box and like this small hi hat and like this really small snare. Um, which has been kinda cool because like usually the crowd's like all in your face and they're like super drunk. They're like you know, we had this one girl that was like, uh, can you play a picture by, like, Kid Rock and Shell Crow? And then, like, I just pulled it, you know, pulled it out and just started playing it. Like, I didn't really know the song that good. And she was like, this is my part. And I was like, I can already tell that I'm not going to like you. And then, like, <laughs> ten minutes later, she got kicked out. So <laughs> You love to see she, it. She, like, threw a drink. Um, 
But yeah, it's definitely been weird um, for sure. Um, but there's been cool parts where you can like interact with the crowd where in like a full band setting you couldn't. So um, yeah, there's silver linings to 2020, and I know it's been like a common thing that me and Tyler have talked about, and I've I've talked about with a lot of people. And one of my silver linings for 2020 is meeting meeting you and this whole right. gang of. I don't know whether to call it hashtag no hits because he got like Alex, Cody, Dawson, all those boys in there, Trey Bonner, all those guys, BDT. But then you throw in the I, – I mean, I have like a whole new Alabama family. Yeah. And, and it lives at your house. Yeah. And it's like yourself, Clay Barker, Ella Langley, and of course old Mitch and his, yeah. his wild little dog, Sam. Yeah. Uh, not so little dog. But um, how do you get to know those three? Uh, down uh, – so um, uh, let's see. Um, I guess Clay started like um, playing playing music. Like I don't know. Anyways, Mitch was dating. I don't know if he was dating or hanging out with Haley Galloway. Okay, which she used to sell the stuff for um, for sixty five South. And she called me one day. She was like, "Hey, I've got this guy Clay Barker. He's trying to get some gigs. Will you help him get some gigs?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, like my thing. Like I said, if you think he's good and you believe in him, like. I'll listen, you know, I'll listen to it. And, you know, if he, she's like, he's a good dude. I think he's talented. Like, he's sweet as can be. Let's do it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I can't like get you gigs at like Madison Square Garden, but like, I don't mind like helping him get gigs where I can get gigs, you know? And I think it was like Moe's Barbecue in Auburn and like a few other ones. And then we just kind of became friends that way. And then we did a show at, um, it's like a stand up place like stand-up comedy play i think it's called stand-up live in huntsville and it was like uh me ella clay and um cam spinks and reed halton we did like this writer's round thing there and there was probably like maybe 50 people there not a lot of people but we all kind of met that night and me and mitch just kind of like became friends on the phone like i had already moved up here and um they were like, we're thinking about moving in August. I was like, well, let's get all get a place together. And then we just kind of all moved in, not really knowing each other that well. We knew of each other, and we'd been to, like, uh, some shows together and stuff. And then, like, the first week, it was just me and Ella. So me and Ella were there for a whole week together, and we just really got to know each she, other. She's like your baby sister. She's like my baby sister, dude. Like, exactly. <laughs> um, and we just really got to know each other real, real well. And it's been fun, man. Like... You know, they that when we first moved in, they would be like, "Do you like living with us?" And I was just like, I was just ecstatic that somebody liked to living with me. And we weren't like, "Oh God, what have I moved myself into?" You know. <laughs> um, but uh, man, it's been great. It's been. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly like. I'm thinking about buying a house like within the next year, and I hope that when I buy that house, that they'll come live with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Now talking about songwriting. For you, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of songwriters that are in Alabama and stuff. But obviously, I mean, not to the level that are in like Nashville or Austin mm -hmm. or any of these big like music cities. For you, what was co-writing early on like? So the thing for me was like, you know, I had the first stint where I lived here and did the whole thing, and I wrote with you know Aaron Lee and 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 Nolan Neal, which they're great writers and and like beyond light years of what I was at the time, and probably still am. But um, I would always come up, like, travel to Nashville to get good songs, you know? And then um, when when all that, my all my life kind of went to hell in Birmingham, I was like, man, I kind of want to, like, 
move to Nashville and like become that songwriter. You know, like my goal was is like I want to be that guy that people in Birmingham call up and be like, "Hey, man, I got this guy that like needs some songs. Would you mind like you know sitting down with him and writing some songs with him? You know, or like." figure out what I want to say in a song, like, learn how to do that. And, like, I thought that, like, the way I looked at it was, like, you know, like, living in Nashville versus living at home was, like, going to, like, the grocery store versus going to Walmart. You know, like, you can go to Walmart and get all your shit, you know, or you can just go to the grocery store and get some of it, then you got to go to Dollar General, buy your paper towels and all that stuff, you know. Or you can just go to Walmart and get it all. So I just felt like putting myself here was like the best thing I could do to become a better writer. And and um when I first got here it was um I met a guy named Kyle Coolahan. We opened a show for Riley Green together and we just became like kind of like phone friends before I even moved up here. And when I moved up here, he took me around and he you know, he he uh introduced me to all the freak show people. Um, music row freak show. Yeah, <laughs> on Wednesday nights. Yeah, dude, that's a fun round. I and, enjoy um, those folks. You know, like Terry Joe. I think like my first co-write in town was with Terry Joe Box and Kyle Coolahan. And um, I didn't know who she was, and then I left and like looked her up and saw that you know she wrote a lot of the you know like Bible in a forty four, like the you know the Ashley McBride stuff. And yeah. I was like, holy shit! You know, <laughs> I probably could have done a lot better in that. You know, and then like. <laughs> It was like a on Super Bowl Sunday. We went to Clint Daniels' house and like watched the Super Bowl. Didn't know who he was, you know. And he wrote like some of it by like Eric Church, you yeah. know, and like Broken Hearts Phil. And I was like, holy crap! And we got like me and Kyle wrote, had a co-write with a guy that we met at that party. So Kyle was just like really good to me um, in that sense. When I first moved to town, he didn't have to do that, you know. Um, but there was other things like I met this lady named Tracy Moore through um, my guitar player Terry Adams. He's an incredible songwriter. We wrote a whole lot of nothing together. My last uh, single <clears throat> before all like the quarantine work tapes, like my first, you know, like real single, um, fully produced. But uh, she would set me up on these blind rights with people, and the, that's how like I wrote the song "Believer" with Alex Schofield. Like I'd never met him. Walked into a room. He was from Michigan. You know, we just sat there and talked. He talked about living in his van and, like, an office space when he first moved down here. And, like, then we wrote Believer together, which is, like, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, dude, that that's I've a written, smash. That's you know? a smash. And it's all real. It's all true and yeah, it's all that's from the something heart. That, that's something with, with you. I mean, they, some people talk about, like, when you're a songwriter, you have to live through some stuff. Yeah. You've lived through quite a bit of shit. And, like, you find a way to convey it into... Two and a half, three minutes, sometimes four minutes. Like you, you find a way to do that as a writer, which is which is badass and awesome. Yeah, yeah. How'd you get to meet Maxwell and all those dudes? Matt McKinney, <laughs> old skinny McKinney, skinny baby. McKinney, dude. And um, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I told him when I came on here, I was going to gas him up. So yeah, let's talk, just yeah, let's, let's just get started. Let's on, talk about skinny for like, a little bit. You, both of you guys know McKinney really well. <laughs> like I, I get texts from him that go from anything to. I talk about life with him. We talk a lot about sports, although he's in Atlanta and yeah. like a Southern sports fan. I'm a New Yorker, but um, McKinney is a great dude. Yeah, he's a, he's just a solid human. Uh, okay, so there's this place called uh, Sky Bar in Auburn. Y'all yeah. heard of it? Oh, right? yeah. everybody's heard of that. Le- one. Legendary, yeah. legendary. So uh, we do like before before COVID BC. That's what I call it. Before COVID, <laughs> uh, we played it. Um, Sky bar probably twice a month, sometimes, you know, once a month. 
And um, one night I was playing at Skybar, and I guess Matt had played at Moe's. And he, after Moe's, he came down to Skybar, and I was in there. Like, I do, had this thing where, like, I changed the lyrics to songs because, like, playing cover songs for so many years to have fun with it like i gotta say some off the wall shit yeah like, i was playing big green tractor and i said i'll take you for a ride on my on my big tally whacker <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like mckinney came up to me and he was like man you know uh he was like that's great great set you know i was like i was like hell yeah man you sounded great at mo's or something i can't remember i think i went up there fast forward i'm living up here and i'm out at revival one night and here comes this tall son bitch walking up to me. He's like, "Dude, I saw you play at Skybar," and uh, honestly, I did. I like, I only remember bits and pieces of that night. And like, I'm sober, you know what I mean? But like, four, four hour cover gigs, you tend they it's just like they, they all run together. Yeah, they all blend together. Absolutely. After a while, after doing it, you just check out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But like, it's like muscle memory, you know? Yeah, it's just like, all right, I'm putting on autopilot for like yeah. the next ten songs, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and uh. And 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 from that moment on, me and Matt McKinney were friends. Like from that night at Revival, like I think uh, one other night we like started at Dogwood, and then we went. Oh, we came all the way up to like Winners and Losers, and we hung out there. And at the time, I had a girlfriend, so like, and he was single, so like, it came a point to where like I had to leave. But uh, but uh, he was uh. We were uh, we just became friends after that, and we didn't really write together that much. We wrote like one song together, but like like you said, we were just friends. And then, um, and then like Ella and them moved to town, and I was like, dude, you got to get in on a song with Ella. And y'all had Ella on the podcast, and she told yeah. the story about how I got broken up with text, and they kind of finished the song together. Uh, one of the guys, but um, dude, Matt McKinney is just like such a special dude. Like he brings people together from different all walks of life that would never cross paths you know what i mean and like that's like I, to me that's like a cool trait to have you oh know? Ab- absolutely and like his writing skill is like so versatile he can do any of it you know yeah for sure no he's he's a great dude and I, i've definitely had some good times in my yeah. short time of knowing him and look forward to many more and uh i mean that that whole it's just crazy how like we've all lived in town for like a little while and we all just kind of met through kickball, through freaking just hanging out, watching NASCAR yeah. on Sundays, watching football at, at y'all's place and just fantasy football, like whatever. We've like y'all are the people I talk to most. Yeah, dude, because like, we could have easily just played kickball together and that would have been it. Oh, yeah. You know, but it was so fun out there. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> Let's let's do fan you know it's like let's do a fantasy football or yeah you know. and now we see each other like when when I mean usually you're you're out of town and we see Ella a lot because like y'all are out gigging a ton and Ella will be home or like whichever one of y'all is home we always like get together on the weekends and stuff I mean it, it's it's a cool fun group what was um your first experience playing a writers round like going from playing covered shows to I mean I know you were doing acoustic shows for a while but what was it like just like being in Nashville being amongst your peers and people that can really pick out talent and stuff like that to be up there playing a few of your originals. Well, my first writer's round when I moved here was Freak Show. And uh, I appreciate Terry and Joe for that, but, like, I played last <laughs> at, like, you know, 12. So, like, everybody was drunk, so it didn't really matter, you know? Um, and, like, my experience from, like, playing on the road, you know, being on the road and stuff, like... I don't know. I just have this thing where, like, 
people always ask me, do you get nervous when you go on stage? And I'm just like, well, I've been doing this for, you know, roughly 10 years and all I'm going to, all I'm going to be on stage is all I am. You know what I mean? Like I've, you know, prepared as much as I can. So like, there's no reason to be nervous. Just get up there and do your thing. And, um, but like, so I wasn't really like nervous or anything like that. It was just kind of like, well, I did that, you know? And then like slowly I would, Sometimes I'll play rounds, and even still to this day, sometimes I'll play rounds and people don't give a shit, you know? But, like, I try to play every round that everybody asks me to do it because, like, the truth is, it's like, no, do I want to play covers for the rest of my life? Hell no, you know? Like, so I just feel like somehow, maybe somehow, some way, I'm going to play one of these writer's rounds and somebody's going to hear my shit and, like, see the way that I am and, like, be like, hey, let's get this guy, like, doing something else, you know? But, like... um um good over there <laughs> i'm good i'm good but like uh but you know like i like some nights i'll play and people will love it and then some nights they don't and, and and but nothing really changes with the you know with the formula or anything i'm just doing me you know um but uh i kind of forgot what i was gonna say um but yeah i mean like terry joe just kept like putting me in the lineup like earlier and stuff like that but i'll never forget like Barrett Baber, y'all know who he is? Oh, yeah. He wrote um, uh, the Nothing on You so yeah. long. He's written, uh, like, plenty of other great stuff. But, like, I knew that he wrote that. And then there's this guy named Dennis Drummond. He's Barrett's guitar player, and I've known him for years through Nolan that produced a lot of a lot of my stuff, you know, up until this point. Um, But I knew Dennis, and, like, I knew who he was, and I was like, man, that guy's fucking cool, you know? And, like, I'll never forget, I played um, Whole Lot of Nothing, which is a song I wrote with Terry Adams before I ever moved up here. And it's probably, even still to this day, one of my favorite, like, most, like, um, me and him wrote that song out of pure frustration with, like, everything in the music business and, like, all that stuff. And I'll never forget, it. I played it, and when I got off stage, he walked up to me and made it a point to, like, shake my hand and was like, dude, that song's awesome. And, like, I don't know, I just feel like having that validation from your peers or people that are doing what you're doing that are way better um, than you at what you're doing. So, like, it was, like, all the validation that, like, I needed. Because, like, some days, like, you're playing these writer's rounds and you're doing two and three writes a day and you're just grinding it out and you're, like, you know, most you know most of the time you're like, fuck, do I just need to move home, you know? Like, what am I doing, you know? And then you get that little nugget, and it's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm here, I'm in the right place. You yeah, know, I just I, need to keep on keeping and on. And there's, there's a number of Trey Lewis songs I'm a big fan of, and um, a number of your songs, and I'm planning on getting lyrics from one of them for can yeah. put, um, put underneath my sobriety tattoo right here. But you talk about, like, frustration and the thought of moving home you got a song called tourist town yeah that is really freaking cool what, yeah. what went into that one that was one you wrote with mckinney right i wrote it with mckinney and alex maxwell hell yeah for those of you who don't know shameless plug alex maxwell's producing he, um he is a the, bunch of stuff he for is, me he is the swiss army knife he in is. nashville he, he is. literally can do it all and um him being up there even playing rounds up i mean he's a great songwriter like, he's he's badass doing that but even just having him on stage to play yeah. lead when, yeah. when he was up we had him up there with yourself joy beth and ella um but tourist town is a song i could just feel the Everybody in the room was kind of feeling that. Yeah, song. when you asked me to do that round, I knew that Dawson and like Caleb and all them were going to be on it. So like, I knew Alex would probably want to play with them, but I was like, I'm just going to ask him because like <laughs> he can do he can do the lead ride and Ella can sing the harmony. It'll be like a badass yeah. round, you know. Um, 
But uh, yeah, dude, he's he is like you said, like the Swiss Army knife. But we were at the house, and usually for a while there, we were playing Madden on Sundays because Matt McKinney is terrible at Madden. Yeah, did he ever get the belt? Um, I don't know. I think he's only beat me like four times total. There was a time in Nashville where like nobody could beat me at Madden. I was, we gotta I was, play. Yeah, I yeah. gotta play. Say, I'm not as good we'll as I go. used to be. Everybody's kind of like figured out like what I'm what I'm about now. I haven't know? played you yet. Me. Yeah, but but I beat Maxwell pretty bad the other day. Yeah. So yeah, he's a, he. Me and him are either like toe to toe, or I just blow him out. You know. <laughs> But anyways, uh, we were playing Madden on Sundays there for a while, and I'd just done, like, uh, a four-day run at the Floribama. And, um, you know, the Floribama's rough. It's like, you know, it's it's a fun gig. I'm not complaining, but it's like, you know, two shifts a day, four hours straight. Um, I mean, I think you can take breaks, but, like, why take a break, you know, when you can just play yeah, through? People leave. Keep the tips going, you know, whatever. Um Anyways, uh, I'd gotten back. I mean, my voice was shot out, and we were just playing Madden, chilling. And I think somebody, Maxwell, was like, yeah, my right canceled tomorrow. And McKinney was like, yeah, man, mine did too. And uh, he was like, let's write a song right now. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And uh, I was like, I can't really sing, you know, right now, but let's let's write a song. And, and when we were at the Floribama, I think we'd played Whiskey Glasses like seven times, like literally, in like one set. And I remember I looked at um, Terry, and I thought to myself, man, dying slow in a tourist town. And I was, like, typing it in, you know, into my phone. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, man, I got this. Uh, I got this. And, and that weekend, some girl had given me her number on a napkin. And, like, I was trying to, like, all weekend, I was trying to, like, here's an- another number on a napkin I'll never call. And I was, like, trying to, like, fit that into a song somewhere. So I had that little piece, and then I had dying slow in a tourist town and um then maxwell just kind of started like playing the you know the melody and then we just had like a couple of cool things happen in the song like moments where we were both thinking the same thing and like it all just came together and um i've actually recorded that song along with i think i have like six songs in the queue right now so yeah you've been very busy in the studio um there, there's one song in particular that, that we'll that we'll talk about here in, in a second. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, <laughs> for you, so you're working now with Alex. Um, working with Alex. You got yeah. you got Grady in there as well. Um, who is a, actually Grady's played on everything I've recorded since 2012. Really? <clears throat> when oh. I met when I met Grady originally in I guess 2012 or 11, he he'd only been here for like a year. Wow. Like, I don't even, you know, he didn't have his house or any of that stuff. He was um, very new to town. I think he was actually giving drum lessons to Wes, the guy that owned the studio. That's how we, that's how they had met him. And that's how, like, I kind of knew who he was. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah, because Grady is a guy that's involved with a lot in town. I mean, of course, we, we know him a lot working with Gary and Chuck and the Muscadine guys. We know him through through Ryan Nelson. Yeah. I mean, there's know him through you, know him through Alex. He's he's a guy that a lot of people want to work with in this town. So the, the fact that he's played on everything, yeah, that's pretty it's really cool. He's played on like fucking cool. He's yeah, played on some like you know like some huge records. Yeah, you know, and um and the fact that I knew him before all that is really cool. And he's never changed. You know what I mean? He stayed the same guy. That's really cool. Yeah. So how's this this um this grinding in the studio for the last month? It seems like, or what has it um, been? Two months? When did you guys first go in there? Uh, so we went. So originally October of last year, I went into Benchmark. Rest in peace, Benchmark's no longer. 
a thing. Um, but I went in with Nolan Neal and we cut uh, four songs. And I've actually got one of those songs. It was set to release, but uh, you know things have changed. Obviously, <laughs> uh, shout out to In the Round Podcast on the podcast. But uh, anyways, I did a music video for it and uh, all this stuff. And I was out in L.A., you know, did all that stuff. Out, um, out in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You were. Yeah, I did it with um, Nolan Neal. Nolan Neal's like one of my. I've worked with like several pr- different producers. And uh, sometimes it pisses the producers off, but like I'm I'm an artist, you know, through and through, and like I like working with different, you know, producers, like, and they all crush it. So it's nothing personal. It's just like sometimes it, I like doing different stuff. It's, it's business. Yeah, it's business. Absolutely. Like Josh Bright, he's down in Alabama. He's like the go-to guy if you're an artist in Alabama or like surrounding areas, and he does great work. Like he did whole lot of nothing. Like I said, one of my favorite songs ever. Um, but, like, I don't know, me and Maxwell became such good friends, and then, like, I did the quarantine work tapes where I, like, you know, I, I actually texted Charlie and was like, hey, man, do you think I'm, gonna be like, a loser if I, like, copy y'all and, like, put out some quarantine work tapes? And he was like, nah, man, go for it, dude. Like, here's Ryan's number, uh, their producer. Yeah. And he was like, send it to him and let him work his magic on it. So I did that, and then I wanted to do three more but I want him to be a little bit more like studio. So I started working with Maxwell on that. And that's when like me and Maxwell are friends. We write together. Um, and then we like started having this like uh, we're hanging out in the studio together, you know, and like making this music together. And I was like, man, I think I really. And he had done some demos and stuff for me before. I was like, man, I really like yeah, would like you, to if, do a project. If you're, with if this you're guy. out there listening here in Nashville and you're looking for demos, I think Maxwell. I mean, I I don't see him as much as I used yeah. to because he's back on his grind of just living. And I know Boudreaux, you've you've gone in there and done done some stuff as well with. Alex is the guy. So yeah. if, you're, if you're looking for demos, a little bit of a shameless plug there. Go, yeah. go hit up Alex Maxwell. Keep that little man busy. Yeah, he's already so busy, dude. I was over there this morning. He's like, man, I got like five million things to do today. Yeah, he's about to go out of town for like nine days too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember last week when I talked to him, like he's going home to hunt and stuff. And like I could tell that he was like already just like his mind was not in Nashville. Like he's ready to be there, but he has so much stuff to do. Yeah, he's he's grinding. So this, so you, what's kind of the plan? Now we'll get into the to the big one. Let's get it. All um, right. So dick down in Dallas. Um, dick down, dick. Come on, baby. I'm, I'm trying to remember the first so- the first time that I heard this song. I think it was, God, it had to be at a fire at somebody's house. Um, and I think Matt McKinney was kind of like begging you to play it. Or, or something along those lines. Uh, maybe it was even at a kickball game. It was it was something, but it it was like a few months ago, I would say, Boudreaux, that the we first heard this song. And then it became, it was almost kind of like a joke at first, like where we were like, all right, let, let's get. It was our Yaya ya, Ding Dong. Yaya ya, Ding Dong, if you've seen um, Eurovision with Will Ferrell. Or on, Wagon Wheel. Or, or Freebird. <laughs> or insert song that gets overplayed yeah, so how did that song come to be? I know it's a it's a song you're cutting, not necessarily yeah. one you, you were necessarily a part of in the writing room, but yeah. how did this come to so, be? So d- the dick down experience for me, <laughs> like like I said, me and Matt McKinney Tell have, us about this. Have, 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 have been uh, friends for, you know, ever since I've been here. And um, I'll never forget when he wrote, Brent Gafford and Drew Trosclair yeah. are the co-writers on it. And me and Brent, and Matt wrote a song when I first moved to town. And we've had a couple of other dates, but they just didn't work out. 
Um, but I'll never forget, Matt had this song called Dick Down in Dallas. He had a verse and a chorus, but there was no second verse or, you know, anything else for a long time. And then, like, I think he was like, like, I thought it was hilarious, you know, but I never really thought anything of it. And then I think he was trying to get somebody to, like, finish, you know, they were trying to find, like, a third writer to get on and, like, finish it with them. And then it wasn't long ago. I think it was, like, right before quarantine happened or, like, during quarantine, they sat down with Drew and they and, and then they finished it. And then I, I'll never forget, like, it was probably, like, two or three months ago, we were riding around in Mitch Wallace's truck and, like, we were listening to it. And Mitch, like, has this ear, like, you know, he manages Clay Barker. Yeah, pa- and power line artist. Power line artist. Yeah, he just, shout, shout he just out to Mitch launched and- his new... Um, his new like booking eight or talent eight management management. He's right? he's a, he's a guy that's gonna be doing a lot of stuff doing here in the lot. near future. Yeah. So, um, and he he has this ear for like what's a good song, and he was like, man, that's a good song. He was like, I would listen to that in my truck, and I just remember like, it's just like kept playing in my head like all this time, and I was like, you know what, man, like. I don't give a shit about shit. You know, like, if nobody else will cut this song, I'll do it. And then it just kind of, like, all, like, transpired from there. I remember, like, Matt sent, I got Matt to send me the lyrics, and I learned it in my my room. And and then, you know, you hit me up, and you were like, man, we're, I want to have you on the, like, I guess I played it at the campfire or whatever, and you were like, dude, we're well, having. Well, there was another night where you played at Live Oak. I forget whose round it was. But there was another night where we were all kind of egging you on to play it, and yeah. we all went nuts in the crowd singing it back to you. Oh yeah, that had to be like a few, like a month ago, maybe. That was uh, one of Tracy's round. Yes, Tracy yeah. Moore. Yep. Yeah. And I remember you saying, "Tracy, I'm so sorry." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because like once I started playing it, like we went to Statesboro a few weeks back, and um, we had it wasn't like inside because they were still doing the weird acoustic COVID shows, and. Um, like it was like Statesboro Blue Room is usually the most lit show ever. I've heard. It's a I've two heard, hour yeah. set. It's full throttle. They have a built in crowd there. College kids, you know, like play nothing but the hits, just boom, 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 and then you're done. And then they have a green room, so you kind of feel like you're, you know, a superstar a little bit. But like that night, it was in the back. You know, nobody really cared. All they wanted to hear was like Tyler Childers or like Morgan Wallen, and like. Nothing against those guys. I think they're great. I just like have a strong policy of like I'm not playing that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was uh, I was just like, all right, guys, we're about to play Dick Down in Dallas for like ten minutes until this crowd realizes what's going on. And I just like kept playing the chorus over and over and over and over and over until we got like this small like, you know like the small crowd of people like singing it and going crazy about it. And like that weekend, like I posted a video on my TikTok and a couple of other things. And I think it got only like, you know, like 50 likes or something, but like that's where it all started, you know? And I got several DMS from like the security guards. They were like, dude, where can I get that Dick down in Dallas song? You know, <laughs> they were like, is that out yet? And I'm like, not yet, man. I'm just trying to blow it up on social media before we do it. And then, you know, you asked me to play the round. You were like, you got to play Dick Down Dallas. Yeah, that was, the, that was the condition for Trey Lewis 
pop in his in the round songwriters night cherry was hey man i'm gonna let i'm gonna give you a slot you're, you're gonna you're gonna play this um but you have to play you can pick whoever you want to be up there you and three other folks but you gotta play dick down in dallas and i loved it i feel like i set it up perfect because before we went on i asked you guys i asked you and i was like can i play all my songs and then play like a bonus song you were like hell yeah so like i think i played like i played um, you played Tourist Town. I played Tourist Town. I played uh, um, I played Believer, and I played Little Tired. Yeah. Um, because Nick was there. Nick Nick Haynes. He's like one of my main co writers. Oh, we we love Nick. One of the best. Yeah. Him and him and his girlfriend Chelsea. Yeah. Some of the best hosts in terms of like going for a hang when they invite you over, you're you're set. They're Nick and yeah. Nick and Chelsea. They so become I like been over there. Yeah, I know. Boudreau, what the fuck? You got to come up. Boudreaux's they, always working. They yeah, they, they always have it whenever I'm at work, <laughs> which yeah. is all the time. And like, just to say this, and we'll move on. But like Nick, like when I first moved to town, like I did have some big rights and stuff like that. But there was a period where like not a lot of people wanted to write with me, and that's okay because like I needed to earn it. But Nick Haynes was like my boy. And we just like sometimes we sat in the room for like eight hours, nine hours, and just dug at something. And "Little Tired" was actually one of those songs. Yeah, and that's still to this day one of those songs where it's like it's not for everybody, but the people that it hits home. Oh, with, it, 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 it it hits it, home. It, it, it hits it hits myself, and it was cool. Um, again, we'll move on to more Dick Down and Dallas yeah. stuff. But I was sitting uh, with with Charlie uh, Charlie Muncaster, and he's yeah. another guy that's in sobriety, and yeah. he was he was kind of just like wow, like, yeah. and I was like, bro, yeah, I know this yeah. this song is. Cuts deep, and but you play three songs like that that are serious, like songwriter songs. Yeah. I mean, Taurus Town, Believer, and then Little Tired, and then you you come out and do. It. And then we bust down, <laughs> dick down in Dallas, and then um, and then raised rowdy Nick. Is it Nick? Yeah, yeah. Nicky T. Nicky T. Like took a video of it, and then when I got off stage. Like nobody said shit about the serious songs, but everybody's like, "Dick down in Dallas, dude, that song's <laughs> awesome." And then you're like, "Yeah, dude, he's gonna put it on Raised Rowdy tomorrow." And then it, you know, it goes on Raised Rowdy, and then all of a sudden, my Instagram's just like blowing up, like refresh every few seconds, and it's like followers, followers. I think I have like a, a new two thousand followers or something crazy. <laughs> and then like I don't know, man. Like uh, old Row picked it up. Yeah, old Roe picked it up, and then that's when it like really yeah. went crazy. I think Caller Daddy put it on their Facebook page or something like their group. Um, or uh, uh, wasn't it uh, Trey? Um, actually, on the old on the old Roe stuff, Matt McKinney actually has like an in with them. He told me this, yeah, because like in college. When he's in Athens, he just sent him like a lot of good content of like I guess drunk shit. You know, there's a lot of drunk shit in yeah. Athens, Georgia. So like he made that happen. I thought that was really cool. Wasn't it Trey Bonner that put it like in the Caller Daddy Facebook? It page? was either him okay. or one of the raised rowdy girls, either yeah. Brandy or Heather. But yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's turned into something. Um, and it's we you played it you played it around last week from when we we're recording this, and to see the the growth in that, I mean, it just goes it's, to it's, show. It's crazy, dude. Because like. <laughs> I don't know, me and Maxwell were, like, hinting at, like, we need to get in the studio and, like, record this thing. Are we going to do, like, more of, like, an acoustic vibe or whatever? And then, like, I talked to Ryan Nelson about it some because, you know, like, he's a producer and he's been doing this, like, a long time. And and uh, he offered, you know, some of his advice on it. And then uh, 
that night, Grady Saxman texted me, and all the text said was "Dig down in Dallas," and I was like, "Dude, let's uh let's track this thing." And he was like, "I would love that." So I called Maxwell back, and then he called Grady, and then we went over there yesterday, and uh, Saul uh, played guitar. Saul on it. played guitar on "Dig Down in Dallas." He, he played guitar. He played bass. He played acoustic on it. Bro. And then and Grady played the drums, and Grady and Maxwell just kind of like co-produced it together, and then. Uh, I did vocals at Grady's, and then this morning I went over to Maxwell, and we did, like, background vocals and, like, all the stuff, and then we're sending it off to mixing today, so hopefully, uh, uh, yeah. It's funny, man. It's like the old saying, you know, you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, because I had all these plans to put out this different music, and then this song just kind of, like, happened, and, and people are following, and it's, it's well, pretty cool. Well, it just it just goes to a testament of, of, of how good of a writer and how – how how entertaining of an artist and just just a human you are yeah. that you can do a you can write all these serious songwriter songs that are that are great and I I love them I think a lot of people are gonna love them. I think I speak for Tyler he loves them as well yeah um you, you write real shit but then you also have the the entertainer like fun side of you I mean people love real recognizes real and yeah. people love when people don't give a shit about shit and they they do things especially when with all the craziness that's been going on in, in 2020. People need something to smile about and laugh about and dick down in yeah. Dallas is that song. Well, like, you know, it's like, man, I don't think, like, I'm the best singer, like, the best thing that, that's out there. But, like, um, one thing I did learn from, and I have learned from, like, playing the Tin Roof shows and just being out there just just grinding and, and, and all that stuff is, like, yeah, you do, you got to be able to, you got to, like, doesn't matter if you're tired or like whatever those people are there to like forget about their work week you know and like you got to make them laugh you got to make them you know you got to just rile them up and get them going you know and like yeah i've got the singer songwriter stuff but like you got to have the upbeat stuff too and like it's like sometimes you know you got to put out the dick down in dallas yeah, you and gotta, stuff like that yeah. to make way for the more yeah. more Other serious stuff, stuff you, you know do. yeah so i don't know what happens here you know like this is like new um territory for me you know like i remember i was i was i've been running some ads on my own like on my facebook page before like all this dick down in dallas stuff happened and i played a show at listening room with uh matt mckinney hayden kaufman and l langley like last week and um i somebody videoed me a singing believer and i was talking before it and i was like you know i don't have like a million followers or like you know a blue check by my name but i do have fans you know i play shows and you know like Zydeco Birmingham has one has been like a staple for me and I play a show there like every once in a while and like can I sell it out? No. Can I get close? No. But like I do have like that thirty or forty people that show up and buy the five dollar ticket online when they know they can buy it at the door, but they buy it on the internet because they know it makes me look good. You know what I mean? And they believe in what I'm doing. So like that's what that song was for. But like now like I'm like I'm posting this song about Dick down in Dallas, and like all these people are like buying into what I'm doing, and like I feel like when I first started playing music, that's what I wanted. But the longer I did it, and the longer I grinded, I just didn't care about all that stuff. I just wanted to do like music for a living, and like do it because I love it, not for like all that other stuff. So, you know, um, kind of going back to like moving, you know moving to nashville when i did i don't regret it because i learned all those lessons early on where like if i would have had that kind of success you know like if i would have if this would have happened when i was 20 years old i wouldn't you know be the person i am now you know and like 
be able to handle it all, whatever happens with it, if that makes sense. Dude, you know? Absolutely, my man. Now, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to tell the people before we get you playing that guitar? Uh, just follow me on all social medias at, at Trey Lewis Music. It's all the same. Um, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You got you, you on the website? Grinder, Pornhub. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Farmers, 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 farmers only, only no. black people meet, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, do you um you got any merch and stuff people can go support you? Yes, I have uh I have t shirts for sale. You can get them at my um my website at treylewismusic.com. Um they'll be shipped to your house. It's it's a pretty cool deal. I've got I'm we're actually working on Dick Down and Dallas t shirts yeah, right I'm, now. I'm excited and I will be yeah. rocking that thing yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So we're <laughs> uh, we're pumped about it, man. And I appreciate you guys for having me on. Dude, here. no, this we is, appreciate you cuz you're you're one of those guys. I mean, again, we've 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 connected with you and you're honest to God one of my one of my favorite dudes in this town. Um and uh What's cool is you're you're a big supporter of what we do here. You're a guy that that shoots me a text and says, "Hey, love love what you and Tyler talked about this week on yeah. In the Round. Love what you and the guys talked about on Grapevine." Like, yeah, I listen to them both. You support all of the shit we do, and and it's re- it's really cool to have that man. Yeah. So we love you and thank you for doing this, Tyler. Another one in the books, my Hell man. Yeah. And uh, this was a fun one. Uh, once again, make sure you guys check out Trailside CBD Emporium. Um, check out shout out to our friends at Whaletail Media. Going to be getting the uh, five two four sessions going at some point soon. Those acoustic videos and uh, no writers around this week. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. What are your plans for Thanksgiving? You going home? You staying here? Well, my mom just sent me a text and said that they're canceling family Thanksgiving because of the COVID. Okay, mom well, calls it the COVID. <laughs> um, you know the COVID. Yeah, COVID. Well, we wish um, everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving. Um, watching the football, wearing the sweatpants. You can eat a lot of mac and cheese. Man, I'm I'm on the I'm you know I went oh, to the yeah, ER yeah, the other yeah, night. Yeah, how the hell are we gonna do on the health grind? What the I'm hell are we gonna, gonna do? I'm just gonna have to. I mean, I was on a strict meal plan for like three years, so I'm gonna be fine. It's cool. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how I'm gonna do. I mean, Baked, I'm just gonna low cheat. carb. That, that pain I was in, dude. There's nothing worse <laughs> than that. I can't do that again. Yeah, it was brutal. Jeez. Well, we're glad that you're feeling better. Glad that you're here. And uh, we're very excited. Now, without further ado, it's our boy Trey Lewis with Dick Down in Dallas. Y'all enjoy. This has been the In the Round Podcast. I bet she didn't think twice about Amarillo. Sucking off 
what's his name I wonder what her daddy'd say Maybe he's the one to blame She's getting digged down in Dallas Reeled out in Raleigh Tag-teamed up in Tennessee Ain't on in Austin But fucking Boston Getting neck down in New Orleans Putting me through hell Fucking someone else Now I'm the one on my knees Pretty she'll come back Give me that sweet ass But I already know that she's Getting dick down in Dallas Dick down, dick down Dick down in Dallas Dick down in Dallas
Feels like the winter took the fall I ain't seeing my world's gone to hell I'm just a little tired, that's all If there's a rhyme or reason Sing what I can't say Then I'll just keep believing Live to fight another day Cause there's ghosts down the hall In the middle of my mind Telling me I'm crazy Cause I learned how to walk the line I ain't drinking no bourbon But there's demons on the shelf so much of me But I don't recognize myself Feels like the winter took the fall I ain't seeing my world's gone to hell I'm hoping there's more story left to tell I'm just a little tired, that's all Just a little tired, that's all